0: Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. Today, we're going to look at scriptures from Sunday to Saturday for proper 28. Now, you'll notice in this post for the Old Testament scriptures, there's nothing there except for Saturday. Why is that? I mentioned this last week. And that is First Maccabees is the scriptures listed for proper 27 some days in proper 27 and proper 28 what is 1st Maccabees well you might look up the word apocrypha and you might have a Bible that has the apocrypha usually there's about 12 or 13 books as I recall 12 13 14 books there's not 20 or 25 or 5 it's about that number and they were written in in the um, second century as I recall it's from the Septuagint and they are books that are later, and Maccabees actually is a very interesting book because it's a history book, what happened during the Maccabean period, which was B.C., before Christ. So, I don't comment on the apocryphal books, so I left them open. So, let's look at the one scripture for the week, which is actually pretty important scripture and a very good one, Isaiah 65, 17-25. to 25. The great Isaiah has 26 scriptures. It's 26, 66 chapters, 66 chapters. And let's look at uh, 65. Turn in your Bible to 65. Now, you might be driving or you might be listening to me. A lot of times I just listen while I'm doing something else. And this is in the background. And I I like listening to audio uh, audio, uh, podcasts, audio programs. And um, this one, of course, is on video, but one can listen audio-wise. And um, so turn... If you will, to 65:17, if you have your Bible with you, behold, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mine. Will they come to mind? But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create, for I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people of joy. Now the Bible is very clear that there's going to be uh, a second coming of Christ. There's going to be a day of the Lord. The prophets in the Old Testament spoke about that. Jesus talked about coming back again, and this is his returning. Now remember I said last time that he's going to set up a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to vindicate his people. We're going to be studying Revelation today. You can see in this post, you see Revelation 20, 21, and 22. And so these, this really dovetails very nicely with uh, Revelation and the coming of the Lord. I will rejoice over Jerusalem, verse 19. I will take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Sadness, sorrow will be gone. Remember, that's a very famous scripture in in Revelation. He's gonna wipe every tear from our eyes. And so we see that in the great prophet Isaiah. And then he goes through that beautiful verse, uh, series of verses, and what God is going to do. Verse 25, may be a scripture that you've heard of before. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat straw like the ox, but dust will be the serpent's food. Remember the serpent? We talked about the serpent last time in uh, in Revelation uh, about the serpent uh, being thrown into the abyss and uh, being called the devil or Satan. Um, And so, Uh, We have the serpent again. We saw the serpent in uh, Genesis chapter 3. The dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy in all my holy mountain. So this is a beautiful description, a beautiful prophetic prophetic, um, showing of what God is going to do at the end, how he's going to redeem, how he's going to save his people, how he's going to vindicate his people, how he's going to set up a new heaven and new earth. How he's going to make everything right. And so we see that in the prophets several times uh, in their books. And um, this is a beautiful example uh, in Isaiah 65. Well, I've spoken a couple of times about Revelation. Let's go to it. The Revelation chapter 20, we looked at 18 and 19 and the first part of 20 Uh, last time. Remember in verse 2, which I just referred to, he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil. Or Satan, chapter 20, verse 2, and bound him for a thousand years. So there's the dragon, there's the ancient serpent, there's the devil, there is Satan. Okay? He's going to be destroyed. He's going to be destroyed with thanks be to God. And only God Almighty can do that. Let's state the obvious. Only God Almighty can destroy the power of the devil. He alone is greater. None of us have any capacity to destroy him at all. Verse 7, when the thousand years were over, Satan will be released from his prison, will go out to deceive the nations of the four corners of the earth. Remember I said last time, we don't know when that's going to be. We don't know if that's a literal thousand years. We didn't know if it's a symbolic number. Just don't know. Now, a lot of people like to tell you that they absolutely know, but I don't think so. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's city God's people, the city he loves, but fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Remember, God Almighty has more power than any of us collectively together. And he has unlimited power. He is the king of the universe. He is the creator of the universe. He is holding the universe together. He has all these armies that work for him. And the devil who deceived them. Now, that's the devil's job, is to deceive you and me. He's very good at it. And... Hebrews talks about the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin. And sin hardening. So, sin comes in through the power of the devil. Comes in as a a deceiver. As someone that's trying to confuse us and throw us off. We buy that temptation, sadly. Genesis chapter 3. We buy that temptation. Sin enters us. James chapter 1. It hurts us, it separates us from God, and if it continues, it can harden, and then our relationship with God is significantly impaired in that way. He was thrown into the lake of fire, thanks be to God, verse 10, of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So there's the eternality of hell, the eternality of separation from God, and the eternality of the judgment of God. Verse 11, one of the most quoted verses in um, chapter 20. Verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. Verse 12, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the book. That's all of us. 13, the sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown in the lake of fire. We just saw the reference to the lake of fire in um, verse 10. Then the lake of fire the lake of fire is the second death. The first death is our death. The second death is going to hell. That's the second death. The first death is our death. Each person's death. Look at verse 15 of chapter 21 of Revelation. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, remember that's the second book. He was thrown in the lake of fire. There it is. There is the judgment, and there is the final state in hell. Now, we'll see the final state in heaven in 21 and 22. All right, so I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Oh, where did we see that? Isaiah 65, verse 17. And the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city and the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven. I'm going to make everything new, verse 5. It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Verse 6, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all of this. I will be his God. He will be my son. You're going to, get to go to heaven. You'll be with God forever. But, verse 8, the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, immoral the porneia, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, Their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Oh, where did we hear about the the lake of burning sulfur? Chapter 20, verse 10, the devil who deceived them. Burning sulfur, the lake, the lake of fire. Where do we see that? Verse 15 of chapter 20. This is the second death. This is the second death. So that is what's going to happen. So read through that, 21. He says in verse 27 of chapter 21, nothing impure will ever ent- will enter. This is the temple of the Lord, the uh, new heaven. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those names who were written in what? The Lamb's book of life. If your name's not there, you're not getting in, And you cannot be deceitful, you cannot be shameful, you cannot be impure. That's why the blood of Christ has to cover you and it covers you by your repentance, my repentance, and putting your faith in Christ. And the blood of Christ, blood from the cross, covers your sin and purifies you. See, you and I cannot get into heaven in and of ourselves. We're we're impure. So we need to be pure. Can I make myself pure? No, only Christ can make me pure. So that's why your repentance, remember we talked about repentance last week in Ezra 9 and um, Nehemiah, uh, Ezra, uh, Ezra 10 and Nehemiah 9? That repentance is very, very important. When John the Baptist started out his ministry in Matthew in Mark and Luke and John, he talked about repentance. He talked about making ourselves right with God. Okay, it comes back here again in Revelation 20 and 21. Now the river of life... In chapter 22, verse 1, the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. And then it just shows all these beautiful things, all the beauty that heaven is going to be about. And he says, Behold, I'm coming soon. This is Jesus. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. It goes all the way back again to Deuteronomy and to even previous books. What is the law of the Lord? What is it that he wants us to do? What is it that he wants us to follow? What are the words that he has given us that we may follow so that we may be in the Lamb's book of life? I want all of you to be in the Lamb's book of life. I pray all of you, are. your name is in that book. Behold, I am coming soon, he says again in verse 12 of chapter 20. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Oh, where have I heard that before? The end of chapter 20, in the great judgment. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The first and the last. Blessed are those, verse 14, who wash their robes, that may have a right to the tree of life and they go through the gates in the city. Outside of the dogs, magic arts, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehood, they're not going to get in. Verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, Come, and he who hears say, Come, whoever is thirsty, let him come. He's offering us to come and to thirst, uh, those that are thirsty, to be refreshed, And whoever wishes, let him take free gift of the water of life. It's a free offering. There's no money involved. There's no payment. It's yourself. So that's why we call people to repentance. We call people to come to Christ. We want people to honor Christ. We want people to say yes to Christ. I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book. We're almost at the end. Verse 18. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the book of this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. 20. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. This is Jesus. Well, this happened 2,000 years ago. He's still, wait, I don't know when he's coming you don't know when he's coming what does he say about that be prepared for his coming he is coming be prepared he's either coming for your death which is highly probable or it could be the second coming of jesus i wouldn't count on the second one i know it's going to happen but i you need to be ready today you need to be ready today amen come lord jesus verse 21 last verse of the bible The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people, amen. Great verse. May the grace of God be with us all. So what we've seen in this section, Revelation 20, 21, and 22, the new heaven and the new earth, the judgment of God. As we saw last week in the beginning of uh, Revelation 20, the devil and what's gonna happen to the devil, the beast, okay, the false prophet, and this beautiful description of heaven. I want you all to be there, I pray all your names are written in the book of life. Let's continue our journey with Jesus, Matthew 17, Matthew 17, the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew 17, the Transfiguration, well, remember we said last time we had the confession of Christ, who do you say that I am? Again, I hope all of you said who Jesus is, the Gospel. And then he predicts his death, and we are to take up his cross and follow him. Peter didn't want him to do it. Jesus called him Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he's transfigured before them. They go to a mountain. He takes Peter, James, and John by themselves, very high mountain, and he is glorified. We're seeing the glory of God. This is a future picture of the glory of God kind of much like what we see in Revelation of Jesus, but not to that degree. His, As I said last time, the picture of Jesus on the white horse in uh, Revelation 19 is a stunning, beautiful picture of Christ. But he is in, in his glory, which is going to tell them he's going to be resurrected from the dead because this is the way he's going to look afterwards. But they didn't put all that together at the time, Okay. But here we have God speaking to them. God spoke three times that we have in the Bible to Jesus. This is my son whom I love. Verse 5, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, if you want the simplest message that I can give to you today, as you listen to this um, program, it is listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. And so this was a fantastic event. Enjoy reading the transfiguration. He comes down off the mountain and he heals an epileptic boy. The, the apostles could not do anything with it. You know, the remaining nine. Uh, why couldn't we drive it out? Because you have so little faith. Okay? You have so little faith. There's so, we have so far to go, brothers and sisters. We have so far to go. The temple tax. Paying the temple tax, a very simple message that he has here. Chapter 18, we now have who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Who's the greatest? He calls the little child to them. All of us listen. I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Whoever welcomes a little child like this welcomes me. Humble yourself before the Lord. Change and become like little children. Beautiful, beautiful illustration of our relationship with Christ, okay? And then he has this very strong uh, message uh, uh, directed towards us. Uh, in terms of leading this little one to sin and how egregious that is. We are to teach them the word of God. We are to emulate the word of God. We are to emulate Christ. We are to teach them about Jesus, and we are to draw them to Christ, not to draw them in um, ungodly behavior and ungodly living and false teaching. Then you have the parable of the sheep, the lost sheep. What do you think? A man has a 100 sheep, verse 12. One of them wanders away. Will he not leave the 99 and go and look for the one that wandered off? I tell you the truth, he's happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that didn't wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Still back on the theme of the little ones. The salvation of the little ones. The salvation of the lost sheep. The salvation of the one that gets misdirected. okay, And is not following the flock. And then finally, in 1821 to 35, we have this extraordinary teaching about forgiveness and the need for forgiveness in our lives. Um, how many times should I forgive? Uh, three or four times? No. Up to seven times? No. 77 times, verse 22. And then he tells a fabulous story about someone that owed a tremendous debt uh, to a king, and the king forgave him of the debt, and it was a debt that he could never pay. And then he, the person that was forgiven the debt, finds a person that owes him some money and grabs him by the throat and throws him into prison. The servants of the king tell him about it, and the servant who he had absolved of his sin, if you will, or absolved him of paying the debt. Let him go. Didn't have to pay the debt. Here's what he says. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Verse 33. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers until he should pay back all that he owed. Now he's going to have to pay the whole thing back, which was impossible. Verse 35. This is how my heavenly father would treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. We are called to forgive. We are called to show mercy. We are called to um, forgive one another. Uh, and you and I are called to forgive and we are to offer forgiveness in our wrongdoing. This is a hallmark of Christian faith and practice. And Jesus takes it very, very, very seriously. And so there's much to think about in the lessons today as we began with Isaiah 65. And you may not have read uh, Revelation 20, 21, and 22 in a while. Those are wonderful. Read them thoroughly and enjoy, again, the teaching of Jesus from the transfiguration on. Just wonderful things to think about as we reflect upon the scriptures in their context and then we prayerfully consider what is God saying to me today? How, uh, how, is th- how are these scriptures affecting my daily living and my belief in God and my response to Christ on a daily basis? Enjoy your week of reading, and next week we'll look at the last proper, proper 29. God bless you.